morning namaste and welcome to future school leaders masterclass with fearless educators in collaboration with helios educo my prayer for your good health and safety today we are going to develop our understanding about developmental delays in primary classrooms uh, why some children are not able to uh, move ahead along with their developmental characteristics myself rekha shah moderator of today's sessions and uh, with 30 years of experience in the field of education i have presented number of papers in conferences and have conducted workshops and seminars for educators parents and students i'm a passionate educator for innovations in education and i strongly believe that that 21st century illiteracy won't be where we are not able to read and write but 21st century illiteracy will be where we are not able to learn relearn and unlearn so i am very happy that today with all my experienced educators again we are learning relearning and unlearning uh, with this i'm very happy to introduce our today's speaker miss madhvi madhvi is the founder of ananya child development center she has over 20 years of experience in working with children with various special needs she especially love working with the children who needs help in attention and concentration auditory processing life skills and social skills madhvi consults with schools in around hyderabad and she also consults with ncert in delhi developing guidelines in teach training manuals in including children with special needs in primary schools she is also an active member of the core committee working in rpwd act for the states of telangana and andhra pradesh to talk about her qualifications she has done her early intervention professions and uh, she is also a certified peers by samuel mine institute usa a social skills intervention program for children who have difficulty in their peer interactions and making friendship ananya's uh, child development center is a multidisciplinary pediatric rehabilitation center for children with special needs like autism global developmental delay learning difficulties adhd attention deficit and hyper hyperactive disorder and auditory processing disorder i really look forward to hear from madhvi so audience put your hands together and let's welcome ms madhvi so uh, thank you so much for the opportunity uh, i would love to share whatever little i know about developmental delays today so uh, my topic is understanding developmental delays in the primary classroom so Uh, when deepankar approached me for uh, the talk i chose this because a lot of educators in the primary uh, 
एजुकेशन सेट इन प्राइमरी स्कूल इन प्राइमरी स्कूल दे डोंट अंडरस्टैंड डेवलपमेंटल डिलेज क्लियरली एंड दे डोंट नो वॉट टू लुक फॉर इन अ चाइल्ड वेन दे हैव अ चाइल्ड विद डेवलपमेंटल डिलेज इन द क्लास रूम सो माई प्रेजेंटेशन टूडे एक्चुअली रिवॉल्व अराउंड सम ऑफ द बेसिक्स ऑफ यू नो डेवलपमेंटल डिलेज इन द प्राइमरी क्लास रूम द फर्स्ट डिले दैट यू सी इन अ क्लास रूम in a primary classroom even before this uh, the first slide talks about the letters and the alphabet but even before the letters and the alphabet in the pre primary i would like to go to the pre primary that is below about 2 and a half till about 4 years before the chi child actually reads and writes the children usually have social difficulties the first sign that you spot in a primary classroom is they are not mixing with other children they are alone they are going to one corner and they are sitting in a corner and playing with the toys alone audience are you able to hear please write in the chat box the second uh, challenge that uh, the difficulty that you find uh, uh, children having in the primary classroom is that they also do not respond to name call when the teacher is calling their name they sometimes do not respond to name call and the third thing that you can see is they are not giving the eye contact nowadays these are these are the some of the most common developmental delays that you find in the pre primary sections and along with that there could be other behaviors like they could be pushing uh, sometimes they might be even biting other children because they might have sensory issues they will be probably pushing uh, uh, hurting other children in the classroom they don't like a loud uh, any activity that has any loud sounds during like maybe the music session or the dance session they may not they may not want to play they may not like messy play activities it could be wet on wet painting it could be finger painting it could be painting in the water playing in the water it could be playing in the sand or mud they would like to stay away you can also see that some children in the pre primary classroom they also do not like uh, to play uh, in the open play area outdoor play area like they don't like to go on the slides and they are scared of going on the swings and they are scared of uh, you know uh, playing on any physical act uh, doing any physical activity with other children like running and chasing they would like to be left alone the teachers definitely will notice that there are there are one or two children in each classroom who have either all of these uh, challenges or some of the challenges in the pre primary classroom and a lot of times parents and even sometimes teachers even though they find it extremely hard to support these children with all these difficulties that they are facing somehow the child is uh, managing in the pre primary section and is going to the primary section uh, about 5 years of age or so say maybe ukg or something like that once they go there also when the letters of the alphabet are introduced or when the phonics sounds are introduced in the classroom the child is still struggling with following the phonics sounds or understanding the letters of the alphabet or correlating the sound to the letter these are the challenges that they might face because of various other underlying uh, sensory difficulties that they have another type of dif difficulty that they might find is the child is not able to understand the number concept he does they might learn the numbers 1 to 100 or even some of the younger children who come to our clinics they can say uh, they can say numbers 1 to 1000 also they can they sometimes some of them are even good at 
just like writing 1 2000 but they don't understand the basic number concept that is they don't understand if if the if the teacher asks them give me two toys give me three marbles if they ask if the teacher asks the child may, may not be even able to understand the simple uh, question and give the give the teacher the three toys or the three marbles that the teacher is asking for so there is a basic understanding difficulty so the teachers have to differentiate that learning rote learning of numbers rote learning of alphabets rote learning of spelling doesn't tantamount to learning learning is a completely uh, i mean for me in the primary classroom even if the child is not able to learn till 100 even if, if the child is able to only do till 10 the concept is more important than the then how many numbers the child can say or the child can read so is the alphabet for me so is the uh, the the letter of the alphabet and the sounds the child's comprehension of the words is more important than the spellings a lot of times we get confused between reading is equal to le- uh, to understanding reading is not always equal to understanding and writing spellings is does not always translate to understanding so the teachers in the primary classroom have to focus on seeing if the child is able to understand the concept and correlate the concept rather than just learning the learning this by heart a lot of children again who come to my clinic they can sing a lot of rhymes they can sing a lot of songs they know a lot of uh, things that they can they have wrote learned by watching youtube videos or by watching tv or by listening to uh, the teachers in the classroom but completely the understanding of that is missing so if the teachers can focus on you know training them more on understanding and less on learning things by heart so so the number concept is difficult and the reading writing spelling concept is difficult for them and the third is writing by the time i i, do, I think in 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 our country many schools start writing by i mean at least introducing the concept of writing by uh, four four years when many preschools in hyderabad do that some of them even do probably earlier i don't know um one i mean one observation from my side is starting handwriting as early as four years is absolutely not good for children because their fine motor develop development has not completed and the child is not the child's gross motor development is still uh, <clears throat> still under process so when we force children as young as 3 years to write what happens is their fingers are not yet dissociated so they cannot separate each finger when when they have to hold a pencil for instance if i have to hold a pencil like this with with a tripod grip it takes a lot for a 4 year old to do that they have to compensate so much to get the, get into this grip so when the ch- children are below 6 years below 5 years i would always want the, uh, teachers to give thicker uh, crayons uh, round crayons uh, crayons which are which can be held with five fingers or with full grasp rather than holding with three fingers like this you know so the finger development is not complete so even if some some of these children okay let's uh, teachers might think that okay we will give the child some more time to wait even if you wait for five or six years the child's handwriting is still not developing the way it's supposed to develop but when you see the rest of the class the rest of the class is able to do well or reasonably well on an average but there is this one or two kids in the classroom again who are not able to write whose handwriting is not legible they say that they are writing but they when, when the teacher say sees that it's not possible and every time there is a writing activity in the classroom 
the child starts crying because the child doesn't want to write or the child says my hand is hurting constantly and when the teacher gives them the homework the homework uh, book goes home and most of the time the homework is done by the parents and then the homework comes back to the school and the mother says that ma'am my child is absolutely hating this writing activity so that's like a cry for help for us if a if a child is continuously crying and telling that i'm not able to write i need help my hands are hurting i don't understand how to write writing is very difficult this is a, this is what the child is going to say probably the child will not say i need help also the child will say i don't like writing i don't want to write and the child will probably cry the moment you take out any writing activity for the child from the school bag or the mothers at home want to do some work with the child so if you see generally writing is one of the most difficult things for children to learn and that comes last if you see reading writing and numbers all the other things can be done without writing like the number concept can be taught without writing and phonics can be taught without writing but when it comes to uh, writing something that is the most difficult thing and also one more thing in a classroom the teachers writing on a vertical plane and the child has to copy onto the horizontal plane so the entire shift from copying from a vertical plane to an horizontal plane that is a very difficult thing for some children not all children i'll talk about why it is difficult also but it is going to be extremely difficult for some children because of their sensory uh, issues that they might face so the next difficulty that you see um, in a in the primary classrooms uh, is i mean i would when i say primary classroom i would mean ukg class 1 class 2 maybe up to class 3 not beyond that okay so uh, in the in that classroom you see that in primary classrooms again you see a lot of inattentiveness a lot of uh, hyperactivity and movement in the class some children at least one or two children again if there is, if the class size is 25 to 30 you will see at least one or two maybe up to three children in the class who are those fidgety hyperactive inattentive children who don't like to sit through the class they are the ones who try to get up and move around the class or keep asking uh, permission to go to the bathroom or keep saying teacher i forgot something can i go out can i do this can i do that they distract the class a lot and these you, you must be wondering why these two or three kids are not able to enjoy the learning opportunities that are provided in the classroom when compared to the rest of the class so these children uh, also will have some kind of sensory issues or some kind of uh, vestibular we in uh, in our terminology we call it vestibular difficulties which don't allow them to sit in one place the child has to move to understand where he is orientated in space okay so they will have vestibular difficulties that's why they have to keep getting up from their uh, table or from their desk and have to keep moving around in the classroom the the next i mean i talked all um, i already talked to you about uh, you know the uh, the type of children who, who could have inattentiveness the teacher is uh, teaching a concept or a lesson and the child is uh, physically present but not there i remember my in my school my teachers used to say uh, physically present but mentally absent not there in the class but just being physically present the child is not there in the classroom he is not able to focus on the lesson that is being taught by the teacher if, if the teacher asks the question the child is lost the child doesn't understand what has been taught so far in the classroom 
so inattentiveness inattentiveness and hyperactive hyperactivity are closely closely related if you ask me because again they are related to certain difficulties children in that age groups face so uh, that's another challenge that our children face in our classrooms <clears throat> the other one that usually missed again and is the auditory processing part of it children who are inattentive and who are also hyperactive uh, or like to move those kids who like to move a lot uh, they probably don't process what they hear they it's not a hearing problem it's a processing problem the child can hear very well sometimes the child can hear <clears throat> more than what is necessary if you do an audio audiometry or an audiometer test for them uh, you can see that the range of their uh, hearing is very wide they can hear a lot more sounds than um, you know us who don't have auditory processing issues and those extra sounds that they are hearing they might be interfering with the important ones so what happens when a child has an auditory processing difficulty is that the brain who have the brain which is supposed to filter unnecessary sounds for instance right now as i'm giving a talk to you all uh, there's a fan going on in the room and there is some construction work going on in my neighborhood i can hear some sounds in the in the background but i know that my most important job that i need to do now is pay attention to what i'm doing here stay focused on this presentation whereas if my brain doesn't filter the most important sounds or i'm uh, listening to uh, some i mean i'll i'll be attentive to listen to any instructions from the organizers saying that maybe there's a presentation not seen or something is some problem is there so i have to be always attentive to some other person speaking you know during this presentation there is children with auditory processing difficulties the filtering mechanism that's happening in our brains that does not happen for some reason that doesn't work you know there are many studies i'm not going to get into that but there the filtering mechanism is not happening so all the sounds are presented to these children at the same level so what happens is all these sounds are getting mixed up and the child is not able to process the lesson that the teacher is being the, the teacher is teaching the child so she he is able to hear the teacher's voice he is able to hear the fans voice he is able to hear the voice of the children playing in the playground or if there's a kitchen nearby all the vessel sound you know like a canteen or something that sound so all kinds of sounds are getting mixed up and the child is not able to listen to what is the most important sound in the classroom mostly is the teacher's class the teacher's voice in the that sound he probably won't be able to listen when i say he i, I don't mean to be gender biased i also mean a she it's just i just got i've just got a news to saying he because i have two sons i usually keep using he a lot more than a she so please forgive me <clears throat> so and also in the classroom you can see um, a lot of sensory challenges our children face we all know that we all learn and know about the five senses the sense of smell the sense of touch the sense of taste the sense of sight and the sense of hearing so children could also have this sensory uh, dysregulation or dysfunction or disintegration or disorganization that can happen in children is when all these senses they don't work together hand in hand it creates a lot of problem for instance if a child in a child with audit, auditory processing problems his auditory sense may be working a lot more than other senses so he is he is able to hear to so many sounds 
when a child has uh, uh, extreme uh, uh, problems with uh, you know taste he or she may only have a certain types of food or a certain texture of food or certain taste of food the child is probably just eating paratha and milk paratha and milk whole day or the child is just eating extremely mashed food the mother is sending every day mashed food for the child in the uh, in the box and he is not able to enjoy the lunch provided at school and he won't be able to share the lunch with other friends of his and children uh, also could have a lot of extreme sensitivity to touch they may not like to be touched at all by other children that's why they are pushing other children away who come nearer them near them because that the when other children touch them it bothers them a lot so even before they touch they are pushing the other kids away and it looks like a behavior problem for the teacher because the teacher thinks that this kid is pushing other this child, uh, other children away is hurting other children but the problem with this child is facing is he doesn't like to be touched and if other children are coming closer he thinks that they might touch me so he's going to push the child away okay so like that sensory problems can contribute heavily to behavior problems also so we as teachers have to probably pay a little more attention to see is this a sensory problem or is this a behavior problem so that we can make accommodations in the classrooms to make sure that these children can stay and learn in our classroom so that's a, a a little bit intro about uh, sensory integration so on on an average you see uh, i mean on the whole you see these kind of problems in uh, children a reading a reading problem mathematics problem uh, or the number concept problem of number concept writing problem and spatial orientation and body geography that is for instance if I, i'm sitting here in the room i know that uh, there is a door that Uh, that that actually is the door to this room through which i can get out of my room and uh, if i walk past this door there's another room and if i cross that room i can go to the lift and take the lift and go downstairs and there's a gate and i can go out so i know exactly how this whole building is organized and i know the geography of this building i know how to navigate and i know that i'm sitting on a chair and there is a wall behind me and i can only go that far if i if i go too far i will hit the wall and on the right side i have a desk in front of me there is a computer so i know the space around me i and my and uh, i understand i might knock off something if i extend my hand too far so this is called understanding the spatial orientation and understanding the body geography i don't have to look behind to see how far away the wall is i can understand but because i have been using this room for some time i know exactly how this room is orientated a lot of our children with uh, a body geography or proprioception difficulties do not understand the spatial orientation in the classroom uh, so uh, uh, spatial orientation and body geography difficulties or proprioception difficulties so uh, these difficulties uh, can make children constantly move because unless until they move they do not understand how they are orientated in space so we need to be extremely careful saying this kid is hyperactive the the cause of hyperactivity need not be just to trouble the, the rest of the classroom or create a problem in the classroom but there is an innate need for the child to move in the classroom so that he or she will feel uh, at the space and see how they are orientated in space so i think as teachers we have a lot of uh, you know responsibility in the classroom to see that to see and understand certain basic challenges that children face 
and address that i'm going to discuss one or two cases that have come to me uh, there was this one child who was referred by uh, one of the the the, uh, the preschools uh, which go up to ukg here in hyderabad my clinic the child came with uh, 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 extreme picky eating the mother sends uh, soft food in the box every day with the child and also the child doesn't like to be touched by others and uh, the mother told me that he doesn't like combing the hair anybody touching the hair he just doesn't like and brushing is a big challenge so she has to really struggle to brush his teeth and also he is extremely sensitive to sound so when he sleeping even if there is a slightest of the sound the child gets disturbed uh, and also the uh, he is not responding to name call and he is he is trying to be aloof and he is not uh, playing with other children in the classroom so the pre primary teacher has referred the the child to the to the clinic the, the our clinic and we when when we started investigating the teacher did a did a good job because if the the child was diagnosed with mild autism and by the time if the by the time the child comes to us if they are already 5 or 6 there is only that much we can do because what happens in in a center, a center like ours is early intervention so we would like to focus on 0 to 6 years when a child comes as closer to 0 the better it is for us than closer to 6 the closer they are to 6 years the longer it's going to take for the child to show any improvement the closer they are to 0 for instance if a preschool starts at 2 years or if a toddler group starts at 1 and 1/2 years the moment the teachers spot that the child in the classroom who is facing these difficulties the easier it is for us to understand and help the child a lot of times children come to us late for various reasons because one could be the teacher probably wants to give some more time for the child to integrate or even after the teacher is telling the parent the parent might also want to give some more time so imagine if the teacher is giving the child 3 uh, to 6 months uh, to improve and the parent is giving another 3 to 6 ma- months to improve we have lost one year of time that is like our golden period to intervene for in in early inter- intervention every day lost is a day lost a wonderful opportunity is lost for the child so in primary classrooms and in pre primary classrooms if the teachers can understand the value of the time to intervene that's the most important thing for us so please, i think i rec- my plea or my request for teachers and school leaders is that so, uh, that flag uh, the kids who are not able to integrate well in the classroom who are showing one or even one or two signs and symptoms of delay they need to be immediately addressed and they need to be uh, provided access to assessment so that they go and get assistance if there is a challenge or just a small problem that can be easily resolved 90% of the time the children who come may not have severe issues they might just have mild issues which can be addressed with a couple of months of therapy it could be just a speech delay it could be just inattention it could be just so otherwise after 6 years what happens is we have to label them we have to call them adhd we have to call them learning difficulties or learning disability we have to call them various names so that the child gets help the younger they are the faster they will improve and we don't need to label especially the learning and uh, you know intellectual kind of things are better of addressing when they are younger than older 
so uh, that's one case where the child comes with those concerns and the second was the second case were, that came to me i think most recently was about a child who uh, was extremely um, inattentive uh, hyperactive in the classroom this happened you know before the lockdown the uh, hyperactive in the classroom has hates writing he just doesn't like writing at all and has lot of behavior issues in the classroom uh has uh, uh, doesn't know how to keep friends doesn't know he, he can make friends but he doesn't know how to keep friends so we had to uh, put the child through a battery of assessments to see if the iq was all right to see if the child has any learning difficulties to see if the child has any uh, adhd kind of uh, uh, you know symptoms so and also executive function we also try tested his executive function to see if his executive function is all right so we did a battery of tests and we found out that the child had adhd and immediately we started working on uh, you know helping him that see more, even though we call it adhd or specific learning difficulties the child can still be helped there is no such thing as once you label a child the school uh, the, the children need not stop going to school we can help or parallelly the child can still go to school and come to us for help and these two things can go on parallelly they don't need to stop going to school unless and it is such a big problem that you know this child is harming himself or something otherwise we would never ask any parent or any teacher to not allow the child in the school so it's absolutely important that the moment you see these challenges in the classroom they need to be flagged and they need to be addressed the longer it takes uh, the the worse they can become and it probably takes uh, a very very long time to address them a longitudinal study done in the uk uh, uh, in in jails um, they found out that a uh, lot of people in the jails in the uk had learning difficulties and uh, adhd and when it is ignored these children are bright children they have uh, average to above average iqs when somebody is intelligent and bright and not able to put that intelligence to use it will be put to wrong use you know so my request to educators is start helping children as early as possible and look for these symptoms and immediately start addressing and helping them so school mental health and uh, you know is is a very important aspect that i think schools have to pay attention i think today is a very important day in india because of the new re education reforms i'm glad to be speaking yes. today as a Uh, you know i was reading in the morning about all the reforms that government of india is doing so it's uh, it's amazing that we are probably going to integrate all these children better with the new reforms so that's all from my side i'll be happy to answer questions yeah thank you thank you miss madhvi uh, it's very true that uh, the, the children says that they teach me the way i learn yeah. right and the yeah. teacher uh, teachers uh, teaching style should match with the children's learning style and yeah. even early intervention is so very important so that yeah. at least we can start working rather than labeling a child so yeah. thank you so much for your presentation uh, before we go ahead uh, a very very important announcement so my dear audience listen carefully to all know that our aspiring medical students are preparing for neat exam scheduled in second week of september in that regard future school leaders have an interesting opportunity for school students who are preparing for neat exam usually helios educor 
charges a fee of rupees fifteen thousand for neat preparation. Since you are a part of this masterclass webinar series, so Helios Educor is offering a hundred percent scholarship to any five students from each school. Right. So I think give a big applause to uh, Helios Educor. This hundred percent scholarship will give your medical students access to number one online classes, which is extremely useful during pandemic. Number two, personal mentoring. Number three, revision of whole syllabus in just forty-five days. Number four, your students can give national test as well. Will allow them to check their ranking in all over India. Don't let your students miss out on this exclusive opportunity. There is an application form in the chat box. You can forward it to your school students. The interested schools can fill out the form, and Helios Educor team will get back to them with further process. Right? So don't miss out. And I'll say thank you very much to future school leaders, and thank you very much to Helios Educor. Moving ahead, before we start our question answer session, I would like to extend my very hearty invitation to today's presenter, Miss Anita Verma. So, uh, uh, my dear audience, uh, I think uh, virtual clapping. Let's do like this and welcome Miss Anita Verma. Yeah, Anita ji, over to you. Hello, friends. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. The very, very warm evening to all the galaxy of educators here, and uh, I would definitely like to take on um, earlier to what uh, Madhavi ji said. She made an appeal to all the educators, and um, with my long experience of forty years into education. i feel that uh, yes we need to work together i would just like to give a brief introduction i have 40 years of experience in education both at the university and the school level and uh, with the basics in child development and family relations i did a lot of work in to establishing laboratory nursery schools at the pg level and then the students took on and then moved on to different schools in different states rural as well as urban where you could see children striving to do their best but children battling with difficulties and uh, that made me think a lot and then you so as a counselor i went on into guidance and counseling finding out that what is it that is pulling them back and these are could be a multitude of reasons much later at the turn of the century i came on into school education establishing institutions and uh, while establishing institutions you get in, go into the entire rigmarole of uh, curriculum transaction curriculum setting modifying it because you want every child to move forward you do not want even a single child to be left behind and therefore i would say that each child is very very special um the question that i am asked to elaborate is how do you spot developmental delays in the classroom 
and it is like you know it's a big universe what how do you find it out how do you find out pin out on the labels now this leads to several other questions how does development take place how do we know that a child is lagging behind when was it delayed how do we recognize it and there could be also a whole lot of reasons for it genetics could be one difficulty during birth could be another one sometimes childhood delays uh, childhood illnesses cause uh, problems but we are focusing specially on developmental delays and only to just make it uh, madhavi ji has given us beautiful examples and i am going to use this examples uh, for um, uh, enhancing whatever i have to say so what i have done is i have taken these uh, issues on in developmental delay and try to classify them into four major areas uh, communication that's language speech development motor performance is uh, of course your uh, larger muscles and finer muscles she talked about jumping playing etc she talked a lot about holding a crayon with five fingers and not with three fingers and so many other things so motor performance then we talk of the all important socio emotional factors because uh, we are a social being and uh, everything that happens has uh, is connected so how is our behavior and at this point i would just say that you know some amount of behavior uh, is acceptable to everyone a bit of temper tantrums a bit of angry outbursts all this is acceptable a naughty child is also found to be very cute but when this behavior persists and when it becomes a prevailing pattern that is the time when uh, you the alarm bells has to start ringing and finally the fourth area that i would wish to focus on is the cognitive which has got to do everything with thinking reasoning remembering memory or solving your maths issues etc so uh, so with these four categories i mean uh, this is what we need to remember is that uh, developmental lag in any one area would lead to a deficiency if not addressed so the sooner we address it the sooner we give intervention the better it is i'll straight away come to the communication and language speech uh, um, milestones the developmental task now our physiological development is such that we are able to perform certain tasks and i've just made a very simple uh, graph over <laughs> what a child is able to do at 3 years 4 years and 5 years and uh, uh, as an educator um, uh, we do not recommend children coming to school before that age because till 2 years 2 years and uh, the child is not even aware of what is going on you know socially around so that is the home is the best place so let's say that when the child comes to 3 is able to talk in short sentences and then this gradually goes on tells a story and by the time he is ready to move out of preschool there can be a lot of other questions he can elaborate on the story similarly uh, recalling rhymes and then uh, talking of past kal now kal is a very big um, term for the child because whether the kal is today or tomorrow or day after you know that, that is a time concept which the child learns similarly uh, giving their names etc these are the things now what are the common symptoms that uh, the child um, shows not speaking stuttering you know basically 
difficulties in articulation, pronouncing one sound or more sound, uh, incorrect pronunciation of vowels, etc., not saying the words the right way, substituting a sound for another, deleting sounds, adding sounds, many sounds it is very normal because that's a part of our growth for example uh, in the fur and the tha sound you know i want to fish and i will say i want to fish all those things are normal but if it persists beyond a certain stage so developmentally we need to know where our child is and any time we spot that there is a problem or there is a delay it needs to be addressed now um, this developmental delay i want to emphasize is a bit different from the reading difficulty that we uh, that uh, was addressed to in the earlier session because sometimes when we uh, this, this dyslexia or uh, learning disability is a very big word and in education labels are attached which we do not want so that is little different now when you are having these problems of dyslexia where the child has got a poor grasp of phonics the letter reversals are there limited vocabulary halted writing developmental delay could be a part of it but not necessarily always as has been already pointed out this is also a processing disorder of the mind so uh, it could be due to some other reasons also hearing loss uh, it could be uh, autism it could be so many things so that is why for a normal teacher in a normal classroom with standard children it is important to be aware of where the child is what is the vocabulary of the child how much he speaks etc the use too much use of gestures and nods uh, shows that the child does not want to use the or is not able to use the language and is therefore resorting to communication by other modes moving on to uh, the motor development next slide please the basic uh, ways in which we can identify delays is by the strength by coordination mainly by these and uh, a child is able to do certain things uh, uh, when the child comes to the preschool is able to walk and run or manage the staircase himself one step at a time these skills go on increasing as i have uh, again shown in the graph over there which is a self explanatory one that you can jump you can hop on one foot gallop skip skipping between and if you go back then when we asked okay uh, take one step skip another one whatever we do that when we do these kind of activities hopping activities jumping activities etc it is mainly to as find out or to help children find happiness through their motor performance so the strength is important coordination is where uh, many children face issues working with small things a pencil holding a pencil is a problem for them uh, grasping the crayon brushing the, your teeth um, tying shoelaces buttoning etc so this motor performance again when not addressed when it blows up into a disability may take the form of um, you know dysgraphia when a child is just not able to write at all or has difficulty in writing see we address a child when the child's performance falls in the school but actually these symptoms are to be seen much earlier so illegible handwriting writing within the margins uh, incomplete letters 
several spelling errors, speaking out words, all these things also are indicative of some problem with the thinking and uh, motor skills. So motor skills affect that also. Um, in the playground, uh, we often come across this sensory disintegration disorder and uh, where uh, you're not able to uh, link two muscles, especially with the hand. If you're not able to link your hand muscles, so you may be wanting to write, but you're not able to write. Again, um, we talked about, uh, man talked about um, looking vertically and writing horizontally. So this is also the way that you are processing. I simply want to make up the make the point that learning disability, all these things are when this thing, when the difficulty, when the disability has been advanced. I am sticking on to developmental delays that these are simple uh, deviations from the normal task which we need to focus on. Clumsiness, not able to perform properly, not able to walk on a straight line, etc., are. Uh, other signs. Let's go on to the next area and that is the socio-emotional. Now here is social development is not a product of just simply age. It will depend upon your personality, it depends upon the environment of bringing up. It, uh, so many times there is an impoverished family background. I'm not talking of uh, impoverishment and financial, but maybe models of speech are not there. Uh, then the child is neglected and so that will affect. But the child typically till two years plays on his own and then the parallel play comes when you are aware of what the other child is doing. And that happens in and three years. So you would see in the nursery, the child is playing, another child is playing on its own. But they start paying attention to others gradually as they go older and later are able to express. They are able to express. They are able to uh, say whether they are happy or uh, sad or whatever the emotion is. In the so this is a social emotion. I'm going to run this slide a little faster. Uh, let's can we go on to the next one. So these socio-emotional problems in the middle years would be diagnosed by how will be spotted by difficulty in making friends, too much of absorption with myself, with yourself, short attention span, be able to focus only on yourself, distant expressions. She talked about that the child is present, but not there. Minds might be brilliant. Again, that is where you need to understand that everything is not related to delays. It could be some other reasons. When we come on to the intellectual development or the cognitive development, here the problems are in learning, remembering, focusing on something, etc. In attention to details or too much attention given to one particular aspect only, um, differences between the left and right, uh, 25 would be written as 52 spellings, you know, a division sign and a minus sign would be mistaken. So these are the kind of things that uh, are indicative of how the um, cognitive uh, functioning is happening, processing in the math, thinking in one direction only, etc. Uh, can we move on? I have just here put down these things that these are what that when the these are the learnings that happen in the classroom, and anything that does not happen could be related to a delay in their uh, development program. Uh, for last final word, I would like to say that as we move older, the puberty or adolescence sets up at a particular age and children who showed 
delayed onset of uh, puberty may respond in all these things because the physical development might spill on into the social emotional you might not have uh, be able to manage your feelings etc so a development goes into all areas we could just study it by spotting out these few areas and uh, thank you for a patient listening as i said that the challenge was to fit a vast topic into the small point but i think this is just the tip of the iceberg you would have got an idea that all you need to do is be very observant and the moment you find something please address it thank you all thank you thank you so much anita ji it was really really lovely to uh, hear that what are the developmental characteristics and how as an educator we have to move so now we are starting with the question answer session with miss madhvi uh, our first question is how does one really ensure inclusion when special educators are not easily hired or available in many schools uh well in india that's definitely a challenge that we all face uh, in schools there's no doubt about it but that's exactly why there is more need for the mainstream educators to uh, improve their understanding of special needs so that they can make some accommodations in the classroom i feel that waiting for a special educator to come and help the child will actually waste a lot of time so here i mean i keep training the pre primary teachers and the primary teachers to learn some skills some inclusion uh, methods and techniques which they can easily implement maybe with the help of a helper in the classroom we don't have that person doesn't need to be a very highly qualified special educator but a teaching assistant is good enough for us to uh, you know assist us with inclusion so it's possible only if if educators have the opportunity for trainings true true i completely yeah. agree with you our question number 2 is uh, how do i identify an effective special educator how do i identify the readiness to take that extra steps to bring smiles in the faces of those specially challenged children you mean how do you hire one is that is that yeah. your how yeah. do i identify an effective okay. special educator okay. that you know whether she'll be able to handle or she'll be able to inspire the children with special needs i think the first and foremost quality that i look for is uh, somebody who can play with children and who can have fun with children i think that's the first yeah. step for any uh, any person who has to be with children i think that's the first thing i look at i ask them to you know just play with the children i want to see you having fun with the children i think if the uh, educator is able to connect with the child at that level and have fun with the child i think that's the best qualification that they can have then the rest will figure out itself on its own i don't think we need yeah it's not true, rocket true. science very true yeah. yeah 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 thank you thank you so much uh the next question is uh, is it not common in the present day children you mean special needs yes they are yeah yeah they yeah, are, yeah 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 they the are very, very increasing common. with the with mm. the way we are changing our lifestyles with the number yeah. of uh, children getting addicted to screens from the time they are born <laughs> even yeah. as young as 3 month 4 month old children are given ipads to watch whole day yeah it is bound yeah. to increase it is already increased yeah. in fact mm -hmm. thank you uh Question number four is how to make parents accept their child's developmental delay. I feel that uh, uh, 
this information i mean information is power a lot of parents don't have access to correct information and also in in india uh, for a parent accepting that the child has special needs or developmental delays uh, is a big taboo you know it's a stigma in the society that my child is not able to speak my child is not able to write you know in my whole family in mere khandan mein aise kabhi hua hi nahi you know they say true, no true. that nobody is able so that's the yeah. stigma that we need to overcome i think acceptance <clears throat> comes with information i think more parent trainings more awareness and to tell them that developmental delays are very common up to 10% children all over the world i mean the i have some statistics up to 10% children are developmentally delayed and there is no there's no shame it's not caused by the parents or by the teachers the child is delayed and the child needs help it's as simple as that you know like if i can't see i go to the doctor and get a pair of spectacles so that i can read it's as simple as that if a child is not able to read get help that's all you need to do yeah very true very true i i do agree that uh, uh, but what happen is usually parents take little long time to accept it you know mm. i yes. think the sooner they accept the quicker Better. we start you know working with the uh, children so yes. they waste lot of time in accepting and uh, then uh, it, it gets delayed you know what you would have done it in the early years yeah. those years are missed out yeah they, they so waste thank time thank you thank you yeah. yeah yeah the waste time uh, i i agree i agree another thing is in india like uh, uh, you know even our parenting is like we compare a lot mm. like you know un- unhealthy uh, comparison unhealthy competitions also and i i will say very immature parenting also mm-hmm. uh, i always feel that no parents they don't plan you okay i'm going to be a parent so like what are my responsibilities and how i'm going to bring up my child that homework is not done enough yeah. right yeah. yeah you got married so after two or three years like you know you have to produce a baby and then jaise dusre ne bada kiya hum bhi bada kar lete i think these are many of the things which counts uh, when we are talking with children with the special needs right absolutely uh, yeah audience if you have any questions still i think uh, we can take one more question uh, ms madhavi you are able to read from the chat box uh, i can just have a look at it would yeah, an introduction yeah. to vocational training as an element of inclusive schooling be possible in the near future i hope so i have not really gone through the reforms in detail i think every child should get access to vocational training uh, they don't really have to have special needs again we somehow link vocational training to special needs or delays or slow children i think all children uh, need to learn vocational training and uh, having a you know have, having some kind of a skill and you graduate from school is very very good skill to have so i think yeah i think government should i'm i'm sure with the new reforms they might have considered this it's a good idea see lot of hope from the new policies yeah. right lot of hope and a lot of broad perspectives and mm-hmm. lot of space for all different kinds of children so yes. that is really really uh, very exciting to look at it right yeah, yeah. Uh, okay so thank you so much my dear acha okay uh, one more question is there how to identify the child got it gone uh, how to identify the okay. child with no. developmental delays and yeah. first generation learner in the class uh, are yeah. you saying that uh, the parents are not educated is that what you're saying yeah what do you mean by first yeah. generation learners okay okay 
so yeah it's more hard then because the parents are not educated and uh, i used to work with teach for india training their fellows and uh, training them how to include the because teach for india works with government schools i used to train their fellows in inclusion it used to be extremely hard parents never used to come for meetings we couldn't talk to the parents and make them understand about the delays you know they had only two categories kids who could study kids who could not study if they don't study they will be sent to work or they have to exactly. you know get a job yeah. or something like that it's a, yeah. see wherever there is poverty and there is illiteracy there is going to be bigger problems for us to deal with wherever there is education slightly better economic background there is more scope for uh, you know for us to actually intervene and explain it to parents and get some help i think this is a balance that uh, i mean it's in india it's extremely hard to uh, to come to that point where these are balanced you know either there is this or there is that we just have to deal with status that's the situation given to us so we started working with the teachers in the school when the child is in the school we used to do some interventions after the child leaves the school there is no way we could reach the child you know